Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and we are joined by the revolutionary <laughs> Jeff Gunther. He's a private practice therapist in the Portland, Oregon area. And I describe him as revolutionary because he is bringing out a really progressive therapist directory. And we're going to dive into that and how he's out here to topple psychology today with (laughs) really a welcoming experience for both clients and clinicians and just humans in general. So thank you very much for joining us today, Jeff. That's one of the best introductions (laughs) I have ever gotten. I feel like maybe the podcast should be done. (laughs) That's all you need to know. Goodbye. <laughs> we are so excited to have you here. I'm so glad you liked Kurt's intro. He's hilarious. <laughs> so we always also like people to do a little bit of a self-introduction. So who are you and what are you putting out in the world? Uh, like Kurt said, I'm a therapist in private practice. Um, I'm a white, heterosexual, cisgender man. I also am ha- a podcaster, just like you. I'm an entrepreneur. I have like lots of different businesses. Well, I mean, yeah, like five or six different businesses in the mental health field that I've started. And Therapy Den is like the the therapist directory is the one that I'm focusing the most on right now. But in the podcast, and I guess through Therapy Den, one of my missions is to try to like make therapy more approachable for everybody, for clients, um, and to also try to destigmatize therapy. So a lot of times in the podcast, my podcast is called Say More About That. I'm talking about issues, like kind of issues that maybe clients don't really know about. So I talk on one episode about self-disclosure, like how much do therapists self-disclose and what should clients expect? Or like, what is counter-transference? I think as therapists, we know what counter-transference is, but like clients don't know what counter-transference is. I was like, this is what it is. Anyway, so I'm trying to kind of like demystify what therapy is uh, through a lot of the projects that I'm doing. So a lot of people have kind of a a personal experience or a a moment in their life where they're like, this is is my mission. Can you walk us through how you got to this mission to develop Therapy Den and say more about that and making therapy more approachable? Well, so I started out here in Portland where I made just like a local therapist directory because it was, uh, it just seemed like a good business opportunity here in Portland and probably in like many other cities across the country. We love our like local, local stuff. <laughs> so like we're always rooting for like the local business owner compared to like the big you know, corporation or something. So I made a little website called Portland Therapy Center where it just became like an online therapist director for Portland and it like fit this need. It became really popular and it's super successful and 
I'm happy with it and everyone else is really happy with it. And then from there, it's like, well, how about I go ahead and try to make a national therapist directory? And this was back in 2016. So that's when like the the election was really ramping up. And I just wanted to make a therapist directory that just like had a better user experience than like psychology today or good therapy. But then I started getting like really upset about the election and then the election happened. And I was just like, you know what? Screw this. Like I want to make a good therapist directory, but I want it to be a lot more meaningful. So I want it to fight against racism and homophobia and transphobia and all the other like, you know, racism and disenfranchised people. So then it just sort of like became this mission where I wanted to use my privilege to like really create something that would help everybody. And now everything that I do and everything that I touch that I create, I go ahead and keep all of it do to make therapy more approachable and less stigmatized. I really like that because I think that there's a lot of folks who don't expect a white hetero cis man to start a online directory that is very thoughtful about those things. And and I think you even talked publicly about how you have found some of your bias or some of your, mm-hmm. you know, kind of identified your privilege in, in creating this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did you get to that mission? I'm kind of repeating Kurt's question a little bit in a different way, but how did you get to that place where that was an important mission to you? Because I think a lot of folks wouldn't necessarily expect that from a white heterosexual man. Yeah, I think um, my experience and probably a lot of other people's experience in my situation, like a white heterosexual man, felt really guilty about not doing enough, not being aware enough. So like 2016 happened, and I was like, oh my God, there's all these problems that I wasn't aware <laughs> of. When like other people, people of color or queer people that are in like disenfranchised groups have known about this their whole lives. They're like, welcome to our world. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And so I was like, oh, why don't I know this? Like, I feel embarrassed. I feel ashamed. Why didn't my parents tell me this? Why didn't my teachers teach me about this? Why didn't I learn this in grad school? Why did I allow myself to like be so sheltered? What have I done to like have these blinders on? And what can I do? And then you go into, like, I went into a feeling of, like, helplessness and powerlessness. Like, I can't do anything. I don't know. I mean, I can vote for Hillary. I can, like, vote for candidates that are progressive. I can maybe try to, like, run for office, but there's no way I want to do that. But one thing I can do is I can make therapist directories. (laughs) (laughs) I know how to make a therapist directory really well. I made an amazing one in Portland. And, And when people go to, like, you know, the Portland directory... And they, and they can see how it's sort of like leaning towards something more liberal or progressive. They can actually like see themselves in it. So I was like, I want to make a therapist directory at Therapy Den where somebody is going to find a therapist and they can be like, oh, you know, like I'm a person of color and I want to find a therapist that specializes in white privilege. You can't find that on Psychology Today or maybe any other therapist directory online, but you can see that on Therapy Den and then they can find therapists that specialize in that. So if you're going to a therapist directory and you want to find a therapist who is transgender or who's in the LGBTQ community, you can like filter for that on Therapy Den and then find that person instead of going to a therapist directory and being like, ah, I can't find this. So maybe therapy isn't for me. Maybe it's only for white people. Maybe it's only for straight people. Maybe it's only for like the affluent. Portland has its personality and you've you've struck out to this. And for our listeners, if you've watched Portlandia, it's way more than that. But (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, as as you're 
as you're scaling up, as you're moving this beyond just your Portland directory, what has the response been from places that have a distinctly not Portland feel and people who come from maybe a little bit more traditional backgrounds and that this, you know, just all of a sudden seems like a super progressive move. One of the questions that you all sent me was, do you have any haters? (laughs) (laughs) We're always digging into like, where's the controversy? (laughs) (laughs) I love talking about the controversy. So yeah, not everything, not every place is like Portland. I do, we do live in a bubble here. Um, But there are more and more cities that are like, you know, starting to be a lot more progressive and liberal in their thinking. And it's funny because like I wanted to create Therapy Den not so much as like a politically progressive and liberal therapist directory, but just as like an inclusive directory. So it's going to include everybody. So if somebody wants to go on there and find like a Christian counselor, they can go on there and easily find it. But it still comes off as like a progressive directory. You know, there's a therapist that subscribe can choose to donate 10% of their monthly fee to like five different organizations that match our values. One of those is Planned Parenthood, and there have been a number of therapists that sign up for a therapist directly, start building their profile. They see that they can donate, you know, a few bucks to Planned Parenthood every month, and they email me and tell me that that's horrible and they don't support it. And I'm, I've made, you know, this therapist directory. Therapy is supposed to be like a real neutral you don't know anything about a sort of profession. And now like I'm coming out with a stance and they don't like that, or they don't like Planned Parenthood, or they don't like the Trevor Project, another organization that they can donate to. So there's been that. There's also been people, like I said, you can like search for a therapist that like provides therapy around white privilege. And there's a lot of people that are just like, that's not a thing. (laughs) And, And you're kind of, you know, uh, me, Jeff, I'm problematic because like I'm making it a thing. And that makes me racist saying that white privilege is a thing. There's also people that just like love, love, love psychology today. So they're seeing this as like, you know, an alternative to psychology today. And a lot of people are protective of psychology today. So they don't really resonate with what therapy Denon's doing. But most of all, like there's like, I'm getting like really good responses and a lot of support. But there have been a number of haters and that only fuels me. So it's fine. <laughs> you cannot break me down. I, this is fueling me. I will exactly. become more because of your hate. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's exactly how it goes. So future Sith Emperor Jeff Gunther. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to dive into this, what you're bringing up about white privilege and bias, because having myself grown up in different parts of the country, lived in different places, traveled a bunch. There does seem to be, as far as bias goes, kind of two different competing definitions. There seems to be kind of the liberal progressive definition of kind of this systemic opportunity cost sort of thing. And a a more conservative definition of bias might be more of on an individual level. And that it it seems to speak to what you're talking about as far as how bias might show up in the interpretations of this, whether it comes to race or gender or opportunities and being so much in this space, how are you navigating these two different sides of the conversation in a way as you're building your business and as a way that you're maybe looking at some opportunity costs, if you're offending people who have a different definition than you? 
You know, I, when I was creating the directory, there was, did you guys, did you watch uh, Saturday Night Live, like, like during 2016 and during the election? Yes. Quite a bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the late shows were doing the same thing that they were doing, where they were just like, forget it. We're going to go all in on being <laughs> like progressive and liberal and making fun of Trump and showing the hypocrisy or how ridiculous they are. And that was just really inspiring, where I was like, well... SNL is going all in and they're having their best season ever, you know, (laughs) Uh, and all the late shows and all the comedians are going all in and they're having the best ratings ever. So it's like, you know what, I, I'm not going to shy away from being neutral in this business and I'm going to go all in on uh, being progressive. And if I'm going to lose some people, then that's okay. If I was going to like, if it's going to hurt my bottom line, then that's okay. But I also think like I, it's a mission. I believe in it, yada, yada. But I also think it's a good business decision. I think that you can get like a lot of people really excited to sign up for something that's an alternative to what's out there already. And psychology today is problematic in certain ways. And maybe we'll talk about that, but they're just sort of, they're trying to be kind of neutral and they don't really have, you know, like a brand that's really progressive. So I just thought that it was a a gap that I could fill. You know what I mean? Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out of network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Well, we can dive into this right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an end to the controversy. In, in, yes, let's let's lean into that. I, I okay. mean, the the one that stands out the most is the the choice of cover models for their mm-hmm. their magazine. Mm-hmm. And I know, having followed you on social media for quite a while, that you're quite outspoken about the need to diversify their cover mm-hmm. representation. And I'm sure that the show notes that we have on MTSG podcast will reflect a couple of different resources that people can look at for that. But what other things do you see that Psychology Day does that kind of is just playing it safe in the middle? Or overtly racist. I mean, I think that's kind of the issue around those cover models is it's only skinny white women, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although, to be fair, they're their last, uh, their most recent uh, magazine cover is a person of color, is a black woman. And she's like, it's about sleep. And she's like sleeping in a bed. And it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'll have to like check the data again, but I'm pretty sure this is the only cover where there's only a, a person of color on it. There have been six other covers on Psychology Today magazines where there have been people of color, but they've also been like grouped in with white people. 
Um, so maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe they're like hearing us. Uh, I don't know. I, I actually got that that issue, and I had requested yeah. to not get issues because of the lack of diversity. So I oh, think there yeah. may have been a uh, a follow on there. There could have been. And there was also, so this happened really recently. I don't know if you're both aware of it, but for the longest time, forever, you were only able to filter for therapists on psychology today that are either male or female. And so that's been going on a long time. You haven't been able to filter for therapists that are non-binary or transgender. So I decided to start a petition and I got Gay Lesta in San Francisco to join with me and um, Bay Area Open Minds to all create a petition together requesting that psychology today add another gender option so that people can search for non-binary or transgender. We launched the petition. We made a podcast about it and we launched it on Monday. And then on Wednesday, they added it to psychology today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And it was, it was like, it was the quickest ad. It was crazy. And it made me think like, well, maybe they just like had that ready to go. Maybe they didn't see me at all. Like, or maybe they did and they just responded because they wanted to like squash it and they didn't want it to become, because like 2000 people signed the petition, the petition in one day and it was growing like so much. So that's good that they're evolving, but there's more stuff that they can evolve in. And like you mentioned, yeah, there's no people of color. On, there's barely any people of color on the magazine, but there's, there's been zero fat people or people in bigger bodies. There's always, and that's always like conventionally beautiful women yes. if there is a woman on there. The only times that there haven't been like conventionally beautiful people is when Freud was on. Sorry, Freud. <laughs> So those are a handful of things, but I can keep going on if you want me to. I, 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 I'm hesitant <laughs> <laughs> because I think there's, there's other things that are really interesting to me about this. So to me, it kind of is indicative of the overall whitewashing of mm -hmm. therapy, right? Mm -hmm. That it is seen as for white people, by white people, and... And I think that there's bias there. I think there's also a lack of access there. And it sounds like your mission is really to make therapy more accessible and mm -hmm. more inclusive and de mm -hmm. destigmatizing mental, mental health issues, that kind of stuff. Where do you, I mean, I mean obviously therapy den is one avenue. So, so that is certainly one avenue to try to, to create a space where therapists and clients can come together and truly be inclusive and understand more about each other and, and, and address more topics. Mm -hmm. As a field, what else do you think we need to do? I mean, obviously, therapy den is going to hit a certain note, but there's, I think there's so much more to do. And, and mm -hmm. psychology today is this big, you know, kind of gigantic mm -hmm. thing. And they're, they're apparently either seeing the writing on the wall or actually hearing you individually and the things that you're putting out there. But regardless, like that's, that's slowly evolving. Mm -hmm. What do we need to do either on an individual level as therapists or as a field to, to address this issue? Because I feel like this is such an important issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I think that bias. So first of all, I'm not like an expert on bias and therapist <laughs> bias, but I'm super interested in it. And I talk about it a lot and I'm learning about it a lot and looking into my own bias. You know, I was like raised in a upper middle class white Jewish family. And one of the things that I was told from my whole family and the culture that if you work hard, then you'll be successful, which implied that if you weren't successful, you weren't working hard. Mm. And so 
I'm a therapist and a person of color comes in or anyone, but in this specific example, the person of color comes in and they're not successful, I'm putting that in quotes, whatever that means, then I'm going to go ahead and my personal bias is going to be like, oh, they're not successful because they haven't worked hard. And maybe they haven't worked hard as hard as I have. And I'm like totally taking out that the fact that like they're disadvantaged in certain ways and I'm privileged in certain ways because of our, how our society is set up and yada, yada. But I'm even more like, I get like really interested in maybe, so when I was a kid and even before I was like pre-verbal, I was watching Disney movies, right? Like all of us. Yes. Were you watching Disney movies? Oh, I certainly was. Do you have favorites? <laughs> um, I mean, I have more favorites from when I was an adult than when I was a kid. I think Mulan is my favorite, but <laughs> I was I was Classic. full on adult by that point. <laughs> yeah, Kurt, what about you? Any favorites? Uh, I always come back to Lion King, but uh, <laughs> but I remember being really young and loving Robin Hood. Oh, sure. Yeah. I was a fan of Aladdin. I loved Aladdin. I loved The Little Mermaid. All those movies. And if we like, if we take a look at those movies, all those movies are portraying monogamous relationships. There's no like poly or non-monogamous open relationships in those movies. In my family, everyone had a monogamous relationship. When I went to graduate school, we talked about monogamous relationships in our couples counseling classes. Uh, and so now when I go into like therapy, even though I'm you know starting to evolve, there's going to be a part of me that was conditioned and biased to think that like monogamous relationships all the way from Disney to Hollywood to my family to school, that monogamous relationships are the right relationship, that those are the healthy relationships. So if a client comes in and they're in a poly or non-monogamous relationship and they're feeling like insecurity or jealousy, something in the back of my mind and maybe at the forefront of my mind is just like, yeah, you're feeling insecure because you're in a non-monogamous relationship. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> or if they're wanting to talk about their their metamor and how to get along with them. And a metamor is the the partner of their partner. Right? Got it. So they're dating someone or they're with somebody and that partner is dating somebody else. That person is your metamor. And if they come in, they're like, I'm really trying to figure out how can like I can have a better relationship with my metamor. I mean, be like, how would you ever have a good relationship with your metamor? That person is having sex with your partner. And, th- and that's just sort of like my, you know, monogamous, monogamy is the way, and sort of like biased opinion. And that person is going to come into therapy. And whether I'm like overt about it or subtle about it, they're getting the message that what they're doing and their lifestyle is wrong. And they should maybe feel ashamed about it or embarrassed about it. Or I'm going to like, think that they're just going through a phase. They're going to get through this. They're going to find a monogamous relationship and settle down. They're going to go on the, like the relationship escalator. So that's just sort of like one way that like our bias, my bias, other people's bias, therapist bias are like affecting the client. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and what I'm really hearing is that on an individual level, we have to understand our bias and on a, you know, and, and kind of circling back to kind of how you're putting together therapy, Dan, about how other people are trying to address it systemically. It's mm-hmm. pulling that bias out of the, the question. So mm-hmm. are you married versus are you in a relationship or what, do, what does your relationship look like? 
Or what do your right. relationships, do you have romantic relationships? What does that look like? Like pulling it out into not assuming in how you ask questions of your clients, either individually or at a, you know, at a directory level or a marketing level that you're not putting assumptions that have this kind of intrinsic bias in it. Yeah. Are you calling yourself a couples counselor or a relationship counselor? Are you, you know, like I thought that it, when I, when clients would come in for an intake, I thought like a really good way to ask them about their relationship status is I'd say, are you coupled up with anybody? Uh, um, but I'm saying that you should only be in a couple in that statement mm-hmm. when maybe they're in a triad or a lot more. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. I'm very interested in revolutionizing therapist training and I've written you know, several blogs over the last couple of months of just inherent flaws that you're kind of speaking to here. But one of the things that I've hit on kind of repeatedly is that we are a profession that is kind of bound by principles that are several generations old. And these are the influencing principles that permeate through graduate programs. And Katie and I are marriage and family therapists, that it's inherent by the license title that we need to hold a certain set of principles towards a certain outcome, while also being LGBT open and poly open and everything else. Mm-hmm. In looking at this more from kind of that big systemic sort of view, where do we address these kinds of issues? So that way, therapists aren't having to stumble into this after after graduation, after licensure, after they open into their practices? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good question. And I even wrote like in my notes before I talked with you both that like our field was created by old white men. Yes. Right. (laughs) That's it was. Uh, And it's something that we have to keep in mind and think about. And I hope that in schools, they, they, in grad schools and counseling degree, like they talk about that now. Um, And 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 I I think, and I think, you know, as a, as a future old white man and (laughs) speaking to another future old white man that (laughs) it was created by future, uh, it was created by old white men who are products of their time. And, And I think that, you know, that's something that, I think that we need to contextualize here because I've seen some pretty amazing old white men therapists who, who are accommodating of, of all of this kind of stuff, who, whose intake paperwork on the, on the relationship question is just an empty line to fill in. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this is, you know, very forward thinking people who have adapted. I just wanted to contextualize that. That's all. <laughs> well, and, and I actually wanted to add on to that because I think this speaks to what we were talking about earlier with psychology today. It was old white men treating hysterical women. And mm. so there's also, I mean, I think one of the biases that I think is being addressed by, I think, ther- some therapists, but that therapy is for all genders. Because I think, you know, I mean, the psychology today of having these beautiful women, it's like, well, the target market for psychology and therapy for so long was white women who were reading, you know, 
fashion magazines and fitness magazines. And these, this mm -hmm. psychology today looks the same. And so mm -hmm. I think if we're really looking at moving this forward, I think it's, it's not having the bias on who the therapists are or who the clients are. And I think that's the part that can be very hard and not having bias on who we should be. Mm -hmm. you know, with, with how that plays out. So, so I think that's the part that really all of a sudden hit me. It's like, yeah, it was old white men treating hysterical white women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now that's sort of, you know, that's still, we're modernizing the fields. The DSM is continuing to like, you know, mm -hmm. try to modernize themselves, but there's still like, you know, women are the ones that are codependent, mm. you know, like that's like sort of the modern way of calling them hysterical Yes, or, you know, they're, you know, so there's like all these, there's still all these ways that we do this. And um, I feel like we just need to be really curious. And if we say that we want to be like these blank slates, I don't know if that's quite possible. It's not, so, it's just so not. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not. And we shouldn't like pretend that we can be that. And we should like really try to figure out what it is to be neutral. Again, that's probably not really possible either, but like sort of the opposite of bias is maybe like being totally 100% neutral, which maybe just means like being totally 100% open and curious and trying to figure out where your blind spots are. Um, so if we take, so you, if we take your words out of context, Jeff wants you to be openly biased. <laughs> <laughs> but, but open about uh, your yeah. about your biases when you run into them. <laughs> well, I think yeah. it's it's being aware and and trying to address them in the moment, trying to identify them because I think that the blind spots are the hardest part. Like there, and mm -hmm. as a society, we reinforce those blind spots if we don't open up the conversations about the diversity of humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm looking, I'm trying to let, you know, so I was thinking about like the, the I gave you the poly sort of example, non-monogamy example. And then there's also, we can think about what we've been told about people in thin bodies and people that are in bigger bodies. So if a person who, if a client comes into my office and they're fat or they're in a bigger body, there might be something that goes on inside of me that's just like, okay, they're here to talk about their, that being overweight. And I'm quoting, air quoting overweight because that's a problematic term. And they're probably unhappy because they're, they don't, they don't, they're not in a thin body like me. And so again, I'm projecting even more on them. Or, you know, I grew up sort of getting, being raised by like MTV. And MTV told me that I should be in love with Gwen Stefani, right? <laughs> we all know who Gwen Stefani is from No Doubt. And they were successful. I fell in love with Gwen Stefani. I am still in love with Gwen Stefani. It feels like there's nothing I can possibly do about it. <laughs> and that like, I should only be attracted to women that are in thin bodies, just like Gwen's, and I should be thin too. And so when somebody comes in with a bigger body, I'm automatically being like, you know, they look like Gwen Stefani. I mean, I'm not literally thinking that, yeah. but there's something in the back of my mind that's that's thinking that. And um, so if they talk about, you know, how they're thinking about going on a diet, I might do something, I might sort of like give them the impression that they should be on a diet, when really there's a lot of like, problematic things about being on a diet and restricting your food intake. Maybe I should like lean more towards intu intuitive eating instead of like, you need to exercise more. Yeah. We had a, a really great episode on this. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. It's uh, Laura Westmoreland was talking about health at every size. And it was really, really interesting to talk through these biases. Cause I think it's, yeah. it's, it's something where if we don't recognize that bias, we will act on it. And I think mm -hmm. 
there's there's kind of a bias that can come up, I think, in in the room around physical characteristics that I've seen too, around you know race or gender and kind of making assumptions about what their what their treatment issues are. So so what are your thoughts about seeing or not seeing that? <laughs> like, I mean, I, I go back to the curiosity, but there's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous to not see color, to not see right. body differences, that kind of stuff. But what, what are your thoughts about walking that line? Yeah, I, I think that therapists have a responsibility to continue to like challenge themselves. And oh, it's, it's almost like it's easier to understand when you're being racist because that's like sort of more black and white. No pun intended. (laughs) Um, But it's harder to figure out if you're like fat shaming. Yes. It's harder to figure out if you're like judging somebody for having a non-monogamous relationship. And as a therapist, I think it's our responsibility to always be like going to continuing education or reading books that are helping us to become anti-racist or to, you know, learn about health at every size. And I think maybe there's, I don't know what, what you both think, but maybe some therapists feel like that's not really their responsibility, that they don't need to like educate themselves in those ways. Probably not your listeners. Yeah. Our listeners are, are active about that. Recently, I went to a conference where there was a woman who had cerebral palsy and talked about the cerebral palsy accent, talked about how much bias there is against disabled people. And, and there was an interesting conversation that came up around it around, you know, that there is actual bias as well as, you know, that, that people are going to have to face as well as challenging the bias and the, the lack of accommodation that oftentimes comes up. And so I think there's, for me, I think there's, there's folks who might spend too much time saying, well, well society isn't going to accept them at this weight. They're not going to accept them as a disabled person. They're not going to. So, so I'm just bringing in what society is there. And I think that there's, that's also a hard part because it's like acknowledging that, yes, this is, this is something that society is, is going to probably treat you pretty poorly for, but I'm going to accept you and I'm going to help you navigate that. Like, I think that's where I get to at this place of like, I feel very much it is my responsibility, but I, I can see therapists who may say, well, but that's not where society is. And so. Sure. That's not where society is, but we can change this in one generation. We can. Mm-hmm. So let's do it. <laughs> like, that's a really good point, And I hear that a lot, but also we can make a change the way that we parent our kids, the way that we like talk to students in schools. This can all change in one generation, literally. So we should all hop on board and do that. I have one final question on this. Sure. How exhausted are you? I mean, <laughs> fighting, fighting like this on every single front. Like, you must have a, an intense amount of energy to to go and you know have have these arguments, have have this push. I know in a lot of Katie and my work that there's just days that I wake up and it's like. All right, I gotta, I gotta roll into this. That it's just kind of, you know, yeah. um, I, I gotta bring this energy up. But you're kind of just like bouncing around to everything and being like, no, that like, let, let's not be racist. Let's not be anti-weight <laughs> right. stigma. Let's not be. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's well, it's it can be exhausting, but it really fuels me, and it also like meets this. So growing up in my family, I was like the the youngest child and i was like this little rebel rouser who liked to like interrupt things and try to like you know 
poke at stuff in my family. So now I get to do that like on a bigger level. So it kind of like it really fits my how my personality was formed. And I also see how it can create really long lasting harm for clients, like big harm. Like if they go into a, a therapy appointment and they're shamed, then they might never go to therapy again, yeah. or they might have this um, you know, feel horrible for the rest of their life, or they might commit suicide, or more subtly, they might you know never really trust you and bring up this one topic in therapy with you. They might it like might like ruin the rapport so like just just enough so that they don't bring up something that they really should be addressing in therapy. So there's like really big consequences and smaller consequences, but that's, that stuff really fuels me as well. Well, I think it even can solidify kind of internalized blank phobia. So I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of confirming that that isn't okay about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really good point. Exactly. Our guest today is Jeff Gunther, LPC from Portland, Therapy Den aficionado. Uh, (laughs) Where can people find out more about you and all of your various projects? Yeah, well, you can go to therapyden.com and sign up for a profile. You get six months for free, and you'll feel really good about the directory that you're signing up for. You don't have to quit psychology today. I'm not asking you to do that. You can sign up for multiple therapist directories, but you should quit psychology today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can also look for Say More About That wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, If you have anything um, that you want to talk to me about or if you want to contact me, you can email me at hello at therapyden.com. If you want to like keep the praise, go for it. If you just have a question about Therapy Den, if you think Therapy Den is missing something, please tell me and uh, I will probably add it if it makes sense. And if you're a hater, then please, please, please contact me. So that I can come back on this podcast and tell you both all about it. Yes. Or write a blog post. That seems to be your MO. (laughs) I write a lot of blog posts that really rub people the wrong way. And you can find all those blog posts at therapyden.com slash news. And we will include links to all of that in our show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com. And while you're there, check out our Therapy Reimagined 2019 conference on October 18th and 19th in Universal City, California. It's right across the street from Universal Studios. And we are going to have two days of fun and learning and just kind of continuing to push the buttons of the therapy establishment as far as how we go about learning things. We have partnered up with Simple Practice. They are taking care of CEs for basically anyone at the master's level in the U.S. So come out, enjoy sunny Southern California in October. Have a blast with us. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy and Jeff Gunther. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.